Hello and welcome to episode 19 of This Korean Life. This episode is brought to you by Sticky Tacos. Sticky Fingers Ulsan has expanded their service and now includes the delivery of tacos, burritos, and nachos. Check out their menu on Instagram at PubStickyFingers. There is no better time to enjoy some beautiful Mexican cuisine inside the comfort of your own home than now. Check them out at PubStickyFingers. This episode is also brought to you by ESL Hacker. Check out the site for some sweet alternatives to use in your classroom or for online teaching. Everything on the website is now free. That's right, it's free. There's a donation button if you feel the need to support, but otherwise, download as needed. There are pop song workbook packages, the True Story Laboratory with unreal stories and illustrations and worksheets, and some other goodies to help you improve the quality of your classes. Check them out today at eslhacker.com, on Facebook, and uh, Instagram at eslhacker. Today's guest is our dear friend and neighbor, Simone Dupree. This podcast is so rich with beautiful conversation and touches on so many topics that affect many of us, like depression, loneliness, acceptance, rejection, family relationships, and so on. Listen as she shares her new perspective on life and sheds light on her spiritual journey. We hope you all enjoy. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of This South African Life. Because our last 10 guests have been South from South Africa. I'm only joking. Anyways, welcome today. Simone yeah. Dupree's. Yeah. I said it right. Wonderful. Silent Z. Silent Z? Simone Dupree. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyways, welcome to our awesome studio. First thing, we just found out that you're living in our uh, mine and Nate's old stomping grounds. It's a small world. It is. Small Korea. Why? Um, Don't ask around about me. <laughs> Nate's infamous, man. It used to be the Maramugadong. Oh, yeah? You I did. Like I think lots of them might have moved on now, all the owners and people and but. Back in back in the day, yeah, we everybody knew who we were for sure. I've seen a lot of new faces around though. I was just saying earlier that um, it seems like there aren't as many teachers maybe as before, but now I'm seeing a lot more international students. Students, yeah. tons yeah. and tons of students. Yeah, yeah. The de- the demographic has changed drastically. I I teach a class at McDonald's over here and. The whole time I'm there is just international students coming down the hill. Yeah. And just really, really a different group of, of people. But Even in my building, um, there's about three apartments over the last six months that have had students hmm. huh. moving in, in groups. So it's gotten very loud. <laughs> they say, yeah. Wonderful. That's awesome. How long, this is, you're on contract, I assume, yeah. with Hagwan, and you've been, you're halfway through? Halfway uh, through I your finish contract? in June, the finish end of June, yeah. Cool. yeah. You've you've been here for the duration. You said you lived in the other side of the, on the other side of the rotary as well. Yes, I, when I just came back to Korea about two and a half years ago, um, I moved to Gulhua and then I came over to Okyon um, because I needed more space for my dogs and just I didn't want my apartment to be attached to the school anymore. I kind of wanted that freedom. <laughs> so <laughs> what is it? It's strange. I, I, I mean, we used to walk down to like the, the main bar used to be 200 meters down the road and we just lived up here and we would 
walk down and bump into all of his students. Nate teacher, Amanda go Sam. He goes, oh my God, Jimmy, what's in your hand? It's not a beer. <laughs> but it's uh, that was uh, that's funny. It is. You need that. You need that separation. Yeah. Right? And that's I think in Korea, lots of uh, work often. There's no separation between your work and your life, right? Oh, gosh. Whether it's emails or phone calls or, or bumping into kids. My, my <laughs> previous school was right across the road from my apartment. And I was like, no, I can't have guests over or friends over without bumping into a parent or somebody that mm. knows me from school. I'm like, no, I need a kids little bit Kids looking in the window. Yeah. yeah I got that shampoo, teacher. <laughs> what? <laughs> it depends on the neighborhood. I used to live 500 meters from my old school here and yeah. it that, that wasn't a family place it was all single one rooms or whatever so yeah. it was just young or single people so yeah. the students never ventured up that way although there was one family with two girls living in an apartment yeah and every time i'm by they say teacher oh i forgot i should have went the other way but close the window and you're taking a school a of almost a thousand kids and nobody only those two girls and their family lived anywhere close to me so yeah. i think it depends where you are but yeah Nice to have the separation for sure. In uh, in total, how long have you spent in Korea? I came for the very first time. Was it like six years ago? Mm. Yeah, six years ago. But I went to um, Gongju through Epic first. It's near Daejeon, a smaller city. And then all my friends from university were in Ulsan. So I decided to move down in my second year. Stayed for a year and then left for about a year and a half. Did some traveling, some studying and then came back. Very so. nice, very nice. We'll do both sides of the coin. First, start with some challenges that you faced in uh, in Korea so far. Mm. Um, some of the some of the hardships that you've uh, that you've endured. It's just, <laughs> it's, just it's just great. <laughs> Everything's no, no. good. No, now it is. Yeah. Now, now I, I, things are really wonderful. Um, but I guess maybe the lack of connection. Being here and away from family, you're so used to being around people all the time, especially when you're living with your family and then you move out to living alone mm. and everybody has their own little thing going on and you see each other on a Saturday night mm. and this goes on every weekend for a year, but in mm. the week it's just you and whatever, mm. whatever thing. But is that not by choice or is that by default or... Because I think there's so much going on, but you have to get out and find it. It doesn't just come looking for you. Absolutely. And I think it was a huge benefit when we came, well, when I I came a long time before him, but there was only one place to go and three foreigners owned that bar and you went there and you met everybody. Mm. And if you were interested in Dungeons and Dragons or walking dogs or playing hockey Mm. or starting a business, you could meet all those people there and then find your little uh, a group niche niche mm-hmm. that you could work on throughout the week if you chose to niche um, sure. but tole tole but is that a tole. lack of <laughs> desire to go out and find those people or i think that maybe the people that i had connected with um also were or the, the level that we connected on didn't leave room for much more to kind of expand within those friendships and so now as I kind of um, learn of these different sides of myself I'm now starting to expand into maybe exploring other relationships other people so I, I still have the people in my life mm-hmm. that have been there since you know since I first was here and that that relationship is still is still wonderful, it's still present, but I'm also exploring mm. other things. Now. I really enjoyed that that Monday 
well, I guess Friday night break or Sunday, Sunday night to Friday night break when I lived <laughs> <laughs> to uh, recuperate. No, yeah, to to recuperate was one, but again, there was lots of other things. I think it came in like waves of first it was boredom, like oh, I'm just gonna watch TV, pass the time, and waiting for Saturday, and then you, well, I'm interested in this, and then you know slowly that shift it shifts from Saturday's the the high point to. You know, maybe something you're studying during the week is, is the is the highlight of your week. So we used to have a pretty infamous Wednesday bowling night that used to break the week up very well. And you know, lots of guys finished at eight nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So dinner would be nine till eleven, and you would bowl from eleven till twelve or one, and then you'd go back across to the bar after, <laughs> and that broke up your Wednesday <laughs> your your week beautifully. But many people didn't have to go to work until two in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So you could, you know, you had that time in the morning. Yeah. But I also wonder if your first experience was epic. What I noticed, because I also joined the public school system in 2008, maybe, or nine, that they were a different group or different breed of, of teachers coming in because they were so clicky. Oh, yeah. And when I came by myself, you were forced to go out and find people. Mm-hmm. And, and if I want sports or I want book club or whatever, I had to force myself to go out and meet those people. But when the, the other groups came in 2008 or nine, the first groups of Epic to Korea, I was the outcast because I'd already lived here for five years and they all met at orientation. And I already knew all that stuff that wasn't interesting or new to me. And they automatically formed these cliques of the Americans or the African-Americans or the, the Brits or the and it was just so clicky. Yeah. And they rarely got out of those to explore. And, you know, they got to know their co-teachers, but now I think it's evolved and there's not as many anymore. So so they do get out and, and explore more. But compared to t- teachers who came before those groups were here, you were forced to go out. And many schools only had one or two people. Yeah. So you had to go out and find your own way. Well, I'm finding now that, um, firstly, I'm enjoying the quiet time in the week more now. <laughs> um, but I think before it was a matter of... Um, not being okay with yourself and so you need the distractions you know so you you either get wound up in series or you get wound up in partying too much or you get wound up in something to kind of take your mind off of whatever you don't want to be thinking about Mm. so i guess before trying to to um, find groups or people or situations that would be those distractions, distractions weren't always there and that's where, where that disconnect kind of mm, came right. in it was really a disconnect with self more than a disconnect with sure. other people mm. um but when i first came um to ulsan i found it was very clicky as well but i do feel like that that is kind of changing it's changing like that like, do you think that's yeah, now specifically ulsan or in my first city, it was like that as well. Right. But I just found teachers. I found it was like when you come. My the first intake here was two hundred and fifty teachers. Wow. But so, it's natural. It's natural to wanna to wanna sure. bond with your. Yeah. I mean, when you came here, you went to Tombstone, right? Sure. You went to Tombstone. That's kind of the same thing, just on a smaller scale, right? But and you had to feel everyone out in a different way. You you didn't have that safe group or whatever but, that you came with that. Oh, everyone's doing it. I'll be okay. These guys have all been here longer than me. It's my first day. If it's yeah. if it was available, I think it, it's the it's the easier choice, and not a lot of I don't think a lot of people would Straight. necessarily. I, I don't either. I think I think it's an awesome way to feel comfortable moving to a very strange place. Mm. The time that or the the point that I think it becomes not productive is when you don't engage in Korean society and, and 
not assimilate, but but learn about the culture and stuff in the ways that you would if you didn't <laughs> you have tattoo. all the 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 friends or clique or whatever colleagues yeah. to depend on. Yeah. And I think, like we say, we used to have to go out and ask, and we'd you know run across the street to say hi to a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know now there's on on the social media, where do I buy cheese? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> get out of your <laughs> phone and go meet open. somebody. Yeah. So it was a very different to speak to your to getting wrapped up in things we talked before the podcast started we're going to get into some philosophy and whatnot but i said recently i've come across the tau or the dao i don't know if it's a t or a d (laughs) to be honest i have a i have a good friend hung dao shout out to hung dao if you're listening probably not (laughs) anyways the the, one of the one of the or one of the teachings for them they said continual input obscures general insight if you're always on the receiving end of things you can never critically or i mean you're not you're not thinking deeply like you said you're getting wrapped up into it and i found or they they go on to say don't substitute sensationalism for learning and i found in the last probably three years or four years with podcasts oh god i'm listening to these things uh, you know in the car while i'm brushing my teeth here and there and thinking that i'm uh, that i'm learning something but really i don't think I don't think I am, <laughs> you know, in the, you know, and it took, it took a few years to kind of clue, to kind of clue into that. And, um, now that I've, I've turned, uh, I've turned them off. I'm, you know, more focused on my, on my daily tasks or yeah. school. And whatnot. That reminds me of something that I've come across called the collective insanity. Mm. So basically the idea that, um, we're all kind of prescribing to whatever social norms and we're learning about the way that we should behave or the way that we um, is, is deemed proper. Mm. And, um, but, but at the end of the day, collective insanity, taking the ideas of what exists around us as our own, and then all those layers start to kind of build up of all those experiences, but those experiences are not really who you are. Those experiences are just an accumulation of all the experiences that you've have had throughout life because of the way that we're supposed to to respond to life the way that we learn that we're supposed to respond to is life. that you're a product of your society absolutely take the same person put them somewhere else they're a completely different person mm. removing all those layers right. mm. is kind of what, what this whole my journey currently has mm. been about and is that's why i love the nurture aspect of the of the nature nurture Getting to the root of all of it. Mm, so, oh. so That's why I love traveling, to see the different sides of myself. That's beautiful. I can be this person in Canada, and I'm yeah. this person in Korea. I'm the yeah. same person, but I just react differently to the environment that I'm living in. Absolutely. But traveling all over the world, you see, you also have many different you know, sides of yourself that maybe you didn't discover before. And yeah. that's part of my problem living in one place. I, I know I can be this, or I know I can have a clearer mind here, or I know I can be more productive here. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, sometimes we got to stay in one place and, and live and, and you end up being more maybe what you want to be or not want to be because of that. Yeah. I think some of the philosophers would say, would, would say that that's not the, right, <laughs> not the right way to think. You should be happy with where, with where you are and not projecting yourself in the, in the future, not, not being too, too caught up in the, in the future. But that's why I stay here because this is the place I'm happiest. That's why, that's why I'm staying here. Mm. And there's sacrifices to living somewhere that you could be uh, less stressful with work, but you might have more financial stress. And here you might have less financial stress and more. I mean, it's all it's all just different. You got to compromise. I guess with me, it's kind of 
removing all of those outer layers mm. that whatever is beneath all of those outer layers whether right. it's even your name you know your name i'm simone I, that name was given to me you know what were you before that name was given to you mm. you know um your family relationships your what um your accomplishments your goals your ambitions the things that you want to be in the future the things that you failed in the past removing all of those things and kind of getting to the core of what what's beneath all of those things and then that thing should be okay wherever it is that core self should be able to <clears throat> exist in harmony with its surroundings wherever mm. it's put so i guess it's it's very interesting i mean there has there, but you're going to be in different environments and they're going to have different external pressures on you and they're going to make you react in different ways they don't make you no, they. Well, you react. Yeah. You have the choice. Right. You sure you react in different ways. I don't know if harmony is the right word, but I feel I'm very flexible and adaptable. And because of my travels, I think yeah. I I can make it. I can live anywhere and everywhere because I I just like you said perspective. Yeah. You you can look. It's your choice. You can choose to look at it either whatever way you want, and that's that's your choice. If you choose to get angry, it's not like you say in one of those talks. Why am I getting angry? It's not because of somebody. It's my choice. Yeah, it's me. And oh, why am so I being guilty? All I have to do is just <laughs> stop, stop choosing to be angry at them. <laughs> yeah. Why am I being triggered? Something very, oh, the very first thing that I learned on this journey um, was learning to look at myself. So somebody comes and maybe triggers something in me and I'm like, I get so mad because, oh, this person is so awful. They didn't consider my feelings. You know, you can step back and observe that. Exactly. Yeah. And then just be like, well, why, why do I expect them to behave in the way that I've kind of, I've created this little box of what they look like to me and they should react and treat me the way that I imagine they should within those tiny confines. Yeah. And if they step outside of that co those confines, all you hell is yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't know if so, this is a good uh, situation or not, but if there's a red light, I expect you to stop. And if you don't stop and it triggers me, <laughs> I'm expecting you to stop because that's the law. Okay. Bad okay. driving gets me a little bit frustrated in Korea. Who is the... I sent you the the flaw the, the Seneca. Seneca Seneca on anger yes. and Eric shout out to Eric Ellinger he said the and same thing as Seneca why do you get angry at bad driving here it should be expected that people are that people that people drive like morons <laughs> you've seen it for 15 years while living here why does it still trigger you it sure. should be expected but but it, it's a lot less now than it would have when I started well, yeah, but but why would I, listen, I, hey, I flip out every day <laughs> I get in my car and flip out every but I'm saying when I go to countries where, where drivers haven't been educated and there's not a general knowledge of road rules and respect on the road and pedestrians and that no problem I can I can accept that and, and understand that they're in the process of of getting to the destination but when I come to a place where they have been driving a long time and they do have similar rules but just no respect for the rules it's hard for me to comprehend and that's what i've had to deal with and adapt to perhaps your expectations which, are which are, <laughs> are too high there tiger dad <laughs> with the the new drive so one thing that's i mean i've taken i'm still a psycho in the car i'm embarrassed uh, if there's ever a, if there's ever a camera in my car people would oh, they would they think i'm a monster but one thing that <laughs> one thing that uh that has making or has allowed me to take a step back and and understand the the 
um, the driving culture here is that my wife told me when she was in grade six, two people in her class had a car. Two families in her class had a car. It's generally new. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. The driving culture is so new. But and I do as well, Nate, same as uh, same as you. I do have a high expectation for for a country who's so educated and prides themselves on education. It's, to act the way you think uh, they should act. God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be it better because I say so. It is, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone's... No, and not because I say so, because their society says so. That's why they've developed the rules and the lines on the roads and the signs and the stoplights because they've evolved like other countries have and other countries do expect their citizens to follow those. That's why they made them. Yeah, it's not necessarily... I do. I Now, I find more times than not now, I sit back and go... It doesn't do anything if you get angry. Just laugh and <laughs> smile, that guy. Well, and I might just shake my head and blow out a puff of steam. But it'd be for, you know, I might lay That's on the horn. That's a nice horn. way to put it. I might lay on the horn or whatever. And my wife will say, why? Why Why are you so horny? Why, <laughs> why do you do that? I'm like, well, because I think he's on his phone and he's not watching that the light is green. Yeah. Am I supposed to expect that the guy's going to be on his phone? I don't You're not know. supposed to expect anything. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Just and let it come and let it go. But Think does anybody? Can anybody live like that? I'm trying, and I'm doing pretty well so far. I try. I try and do yeah. things like, oh, that. Look at that guy just went through a red light. His wife must be giving birth. You know, like, oh, <laughs> his, his mom just had a heart attack. Oh, and he's got to go save her because she's at the bottom of the stairs. But it doesn't. I slip back into my. Into, <laughs> into no, because if, I thought, if yeah. I thought that, then I wouldn't stop for any red lights and I might die. <laughs> well, I, I guess then that kind of brings me maybe to the point of um, when other people spill over their shit into your <laughs> into your kind of into your life. You could have everything running smoothly in your own life, and then somebody else with their little thing comes and spills over into your life. Still, you have a choice on how to react to it. Sure, absolutely. You still you can choose to carry this annoyance with you for the rest of the day, and now your whole day is freaking messed up because the the, the bus driver nearly hit the granny that was crossing the road, and you were trying to help the granny get. Mm. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. then your whole day is destroyed. Or you can just be like, like any other thing that comes up, let it come and let it go. Yeah. You know. So can I call you Elsa then? <laughs> oh dad jokes 101 <laughs> everyone take note <laughs> the uh let it go yeah it is it is a good philosophy but how how to it, but you know if you is, get kicked out of the country if you go to jail if you then oh, i guess i'll just let it go in jail for six months <laughs> can i speak to that actually yeah. i wouldn't mind going to jail for six months minus minus the minus the the, the horrendous things Maybe that Norwegian could possibly jail. happen. A Norwegian jail, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. um, so recently, I had some, some trouble with, with one of my schools. And this, of course, presented an, an opportunity, let's call it an opportunity, to do some introspection. Mm. Okay, so what about this situation is making me feel like I need to control this? Number one, I should get my salary on time. Damn it, mm. is that too much of a Why would you think that? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, what can I do about this? Okay, I can continue to just try to breathe through it and ignore it like it's not actually happening and I don't get paid mm. late every month. Mm. Or I can actually do something about it because I'm human and I'm standing here and mm. I have a voice that I can use. She punched him in the face. Peacefully, I can do that too. <laughs> so, so what I ended up doing was after a couple of 
months of this happening continually, I go to um, my boss and I'm like, okay, look, this is not okay. And I'm like, what are the worst things that can come out of this conversation? She has uh, a contact at immigration office. The worst thing I can get kicked out of the country. My dogs are stuck in the country yeah. for however long until I can get them back. It's going to cost go. a whole. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to cost a whole lot of money to sort that situation out. But that is maybe the worst possible scenario that I can come up with in my head. Mm. Can I deal with that? Yes, I can. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable, but mm. I can handle it. Mm. Right. I can deal with it. So anything else that comes out of the conversation is whatever. Mm. Anything a step up from that yeah. would be would be a success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so have the conversation, deal with the situation, let whatever's going to come come, and let it go. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Letting go everything totally completely, and if I be as effective, efficient, whatever. Mm. Well, to see if I was like that, but. I think I've learned over the last or matured as a, as a father and over the last year since our days of partying that, yeah, there is a lot of self-reflection and, and mm-hmm. to step back and say, well, what good does this do me? Anything? No, then just yeah. the book I was reading, I The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Have you read that? I've heard of it. I've been meaning and, to get to And it. he says you have to learn what to give a fuck about. And if you mm-hmm. give fucks about too many things, then you don't give them about the right things. Mm-hmm. And you're just tied up in all this other hubaluju or whatever they call it and you're you're not focused on what you should be focused on hashtag hubaluju which which <laughs> i just came out of the class i was just teaching with a bunch of women and we looked at that article on the finnish prime minister trying to enact the six hour work week six hour work day or the four day work week mm-hmm. and they were citing a bunch of studies in japan sweden and other places that efficiency improved from 10 to 40 percent productivity I w- and okay, I do I do question I do question that mm-hmm. it's like the the old experiment where they were checking lighting uh, in, in a factory and they're like oh when we change to this kind of light ever the the productivity went up and then the people the the inspectors went away and and uh, the productivity just dropped back down to normal levels because they were being observed I would like to see the <laughs> but I, think, I, like, I believe there's some longevity studies okay, okay, on okay. these but I don't think the biggest one that said for that quoted 40% was Microsoft Japan. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, probably a similar work culture between the two of them. It's cited on online all the time um, of these 12-hour, 14-hour workdays. I don't think it's hard to cut these 12-hour, 14-hour guys down in time and make them 40% more productive. Not at all. If you're talking about efficient countries or, or whatever, fine. But mm-hmm. Korea ranks amongst the worst productivity and efficient mm-hmm. countries in the world. So but I wonder how many... People are just sitting at work for an extra two hours because their bosses doesn't want to go home. So that's what I mean. So it's all the time. So forty percent. I don't think that's that far of a stretch. But twenty, thirty percent, absolutely. Yeah. So just to just erase the the hundreds of years of Confucian principles that have been instilled in them, and then I, I teach one of the police chiefs <laughs> in town. We had studied an article like this a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him. I said straight up. How many hours a day do you think you need to do your job? <laughs> 30 minutes. He said, he said three to four hours. I said, how long do you stay at the office in a day? Eight to ten. He's, he's saying that's how much time he needs. I said, in Korea, there's so many plainclothes police people. They're not even officers, but we don't have those big buildings. Each district of the city has a huge five-story complex. What are these people doing? I said, how many... How much of Korea's police force do you think would be necessary to run the country effectively and efficiently? He said, easily, we could cut 40 to 50% of the people. 
they're not they're not doing anything with a country with such a low crime rate and you know no drugs gangs compared to western countries Delete half the police force about that shit ramp right up. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? I think we see it and we can complain about it all the time. Like, what are these guys doing? And At home, I think there's a lot of work for police to do. Yeah. Maybe too much work. But here, it's like they just create jobs and the companies are the same thing. They create all these jobs just to have people. And I think the efficiency is horrendous here. Well, but that's, what's the alternative? No, but I think that's the... That's the aim, again, back to Confucian principles. The whole point of the of Confucius education system, or one of, the, one of the purposes of it, was to educate people enough so they can to be like government workers. And that's here, man. That's, that's all of Korea. That's, uh, and because of the 2007 recession, I think a lot of people got scared into uh, you know, going away from companies and, and taking that safe job, right? Well, I guess... Um the, the progression of, of education and of maybe the society that we've constructed today. Back in the day, during hunter-gatherer days, and people are learning what they need to do in order to, to survive, survive in that mm. way. Right. And then farming started, agriculture started, and then you start getting trades being introduced. So now people have to learn how to work in communities and how who contributes what to these communities. And so and so it goes until you get to the Industrial Revolution, where machinery is starting to be introduced, and now people need to learn how to use this machinery in order to progress further. And so education is being used in these ways in order to keep society going in the way that it's going. It's not at all geared towards what you like, what makes you happy, what fulfills you. It's Mm. just keeping society going and keeping people busy because if you're not busy and you start having the conversations that we're having Mm. and more and more people get engaged, society falls apart. It's like the 60s and the acid revolution, man. (laughs) (laughs) Bunch of hippies just laying laying around at Woodstock. So it's it's good for the government. (laughs) Yeah. It's good for the the owners. It's good for business owners yeah. and entrepreneurs. And yeah. but if you're not Capitalism. if you're not that one percent exactly, yeah, then you're one of the the monkeys yeah. just yeah. doing yeah. doing the circus act. I think if if you're if you're reflecting on on your life and what you like and what direction you want to go, I don't think you have to subscribe to. You don't have to subscribe to that expensive house or expensive car. There's some, the whole society is built around a, the ego. No, the, I think money, sorry, money's a part. We, you can't separate yourself from money. It's, you need it to, to exist in this, in this system. But how much, how big of a role you want it to play in your life is totally up to you. You can live in a small little apartment and not have to work 15 hours a day or get the... But like like we said, you're a product of your society. When everyone around you is doing this, you're most likely going to be doing this. It's one of the reasons I don't don't go home. I don't want a 3,000 square foot house to collect more junk. Oh, yeah. I just can have a small apartment here and I don't have to collect all the junk and I don't need christmas easter thanksgiving i don't need to redecorate my house four times a year with with the seasonal decoration i can live so much simpler here and basic and not have my mind cluttered with so many things that taoism i I find (laughs) i find at home right you're just there's so much it's just so referring back to the journey that i've been on again um one of my brother's colleagues saw one of my posts on instagram and was like oh you, you should tell your sister to be careful about how far she goes with this because she could end up like completely destroying her life in terms of how she connects to reality in terms of the way that we view it to be socially. Mm. 
And my brother was like, yeah, I am a little bit concerned that you're going to end up on a mountain somewhere. And then I'm like, but that's coming from a place of fear. And that fear comes from a place of social conditioning. Mm. So still in your response to, to your fear of me being stuck on a mountain or living on a mountain is because you have this idea in your mind that life should be a certain way. Mm. So remove that idea. I don't have a problem if my life goes in that direction and I end up on a mountain for 10 years. I'm okay with that. Mm. You, why are you not okay with that? You know? Sure. So I'd like, I don't know about 10 years. I'd... I don't know if it's, <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm open to whatever Absolutely, possibility. Yeah. If it goes that way, I'm not going to be afraid of it to go in that direction because Do of... You- do you find yeah. that it's easier here to gather your thoughts, to clear your mind? Because your Koreans, I'm not saying it's not, but I assume it's not good enough to understand the regular chatter all day going on around you. One thing I dislike going home is hearing everybody's concerns <laughs> and thoughts, if they're positive or negative or complaints. I'm not in, I don't care about all that stuff. So I don't even, I, I love here being able to tune out. If I'm talking at my in-laws, I turn on my Korean ears and we can have a conversation. But otherwise, I can just tune everything out and it's so easy. Do you think that makes it easier here on this journey and finding yourself and all this stuff? Is it easier being in this environment than at home with the pressures and stuff that we grew the societal norms that we grew up with? Most certainly. And don't leave advertising out of that either. Where you turn on the TV and there's Koreans dancing around like, look at my new car. (laughs) That shit doesn't affect me at all, man. That's great. Most certainly. Um, When I was here in my second year, I had this beautiful peace throughout that year. It was just such a peaceful year. And I had no idea what brought it on. But as soon as I got home, a month in, I was like, ah, mom and dad, I'm moving to Joburg. (laughs) (laughs) Because already I could feel it start to unravel. Back in the groove. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was home for, for about a year and a half and then I came back to Korea. Things were still very much unraveled, worse than before. And that unraveling just got worse and worse until it got to the t- a turning point. Mm. But it is definitely easier to be here without all those influences. You have to have such a strong oh, mind oh, 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 to go back into that social... Like you said, the power of yeah. advertising and marketing and... Man, it just sucks you in and, and you get in that groove and it's hard to get out. And I, I get out and I feel I'm way over here and then slowly I'm getting funneled back into that. And I go, oh, get out quick before you fall in there. Get out. And if if you haven't traveled extensively or for long periods of time, maybe you don't feel it. And the one week vacation doesn't make you, you appreciate the differentness of the places you go. Yeah. But if you go somewhere for six months or a year, then you might start to think, hmm, there's another option. I find a lot of Koreans do that when they go abroad and they come back and go. Some some of the Koreans hate living abroad. They really like the comfort here, which is similar with people in my country. But mm. a lot of them now go and they go, this is the hell Joseon. 80% of young Koreans want to leave the country mm. because now they're seeing it. They're, they're seeing there's a different way that isn't this way. Yeah. Well, I'm planning on going back home in June, July. <laughs> I know that is a big laugh. And I'm like, this is going to be the ultimate test. To see how much I've learned and how far I actually have come on are the you journey. A, are you in a mountainous region at home? Where you can escape? I, I, I actually live on a mountain. Oh, beautiful. My family home is on a mountain and we have woods around awesome. nearby. So I don't know if it's safe though, yeah. but <laughs> they're there. And for me, it's like the more I feel I know myself, the less I feel I'm impacted by 
what's happening around me. Mm. So the, the, the more um, or the, the more deeply rooted I am in who I truly am as a person at that core level behind all the layers, the less. Um, but of course, you don't know until you're in the environment, in the actual environment, mm. and then you actually see how much you've learned about I yourself. Had, uh, yeah. with, uh, I haven't drank in over uh, over a year. Mm. Going home uh, last summer for for vacation, mm. it was a test. But I mean, I think being here for so long, like you said, you can really develop your develop your character and kind of callous your mind and in a way that's not affected by those things. And when I went home. Come on, you pussy, have a beer. Come on, this, we're your boys, let's have a beer. And I was like, nah, I'll be okay. You know, and, and everything was fine. There wasn't, I didn't feel the pressure was too much, but 10 years ago, I probably would have, I might have, I might have cracked, but he said, knowing, knowing yourself. Or, or, or if you were there maybe for longer than a month, you know the end is near. I just have to endure this for one month and then I, and then I, and then I get back to my, you know, where I can just do what I want to do in Korea where I control everything. Mm. I, I feel I live a lot more on my own terms here. Yeah. And I don't I think I'm susceptible like everyone else to all those I sit down and watch one reality show and I go, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I could see watching this regularly. Oh, but there's really scary, like Shark Tank where you see guys I love business. I love entrepreneurial stuff. I think I I love and there's lots of inspiration in those, but I don't want to watch it every night. Mm. That's why I like here the TV's not good here. I don't do or know how to do Netflix, and I, I'm not you interested. Don't, you don't in like that. Korean TV, so you don't get us sucked into it. Maybe come on, right? So, so that's what I mean. I, I feel like I'm tongue in cheek. It's terrible. I can write. I can write <laughs> my own story here. We're at home. I feel someone's got their hand on the pen with me, helping me write it, and I don't like that. So, that's I. I feel here. I live on my own terms a lot more than I. Man, I go home. I get not right into it. I still do a lot of things that I, I've developed myself here, and that's what I do at home. But. But those TV, everyone watches. Are you going to say, uh, no, I'm going to go watch the sunset or something? Maybe not sunset, but I'm going to go watch the birds fly. I'm going to go meditate. Yeah, well, come on. You came home to visit and we're all visiting around the TV. So watch the show with us. Oh, I can relate to that guy. That, oh, and then all of a sudden, boom. I have been visualizing. I'm right back into that thing. And I go, how did I get stuck watching three hours of shitty TV, meaningless TV tonight? I've been so. visualizing what it's going to look like when I go home. And I'm like, <laughs> am I going to like have to just lock myself in the room for a while or go and sit on, you know, on the grass away from everybody and have those visiting moments. But then also I know I'm going to be in my parents' home until I'm, you know, maybe ready to whatever the next phase is. Yeah. Just talking about going straight back home. And I don't know how comfortable my mom is with this new journey. Mm. So I'm like, I also have to be conscious of how this new person affects the people around me. But when I had this really incredibly empowering moment the la over the last six weeks. So there were a couple moments where there was this non-acceptance happening. I decided to change my degree. Mm. So I'm not doing masters in education anymore. I'm studying something else now. And to tell my mom that, I knew it was going to be really difficult because this is her dream. What, you know, what did you say? Metaphysics. <laughs> yes, metaphysics. Yeah, yeah. Studying metaphysics now. Tell my mom that. And she's like, what even is that? Yeah, yeah. You know, why? Why do you want to come out of society? This Smoke way? this and let me explain. <laughs> so I realized, you know, as I told her, the expression on her face said everything. She was like, I don't get this. This is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. I am so, what I really saw was I'm so afraid for my child. 
I'm so afraid. It's a, it's a natural, yes. natural feeling. Yeah. Yes, I'm so fearful of where this road is going to take her. She looks like she's losing her marbles. Hmm. And of course, you know, as a mother, there's going to be fear for that. But then I still had to, in that moment, stand in that power of knowing who I am. And that was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Because I've always been so close to my mom. Mm. And I've always had this do the right thing kind of attitude. I have mm. two brothers, an older one, a younger one. And they have just been like, we're going to do whatever the hell we like. Mm. <laughs> and I've been the one that's like, <laughs> do it by the book. Mm. And now not doing it by the book is so uncomfortable. For, for My dad is so incredibly accepting of the journey that I'm on. My mom is finding some difficulty because of that fear from social conditioning. So I I told it to her and I was like, I know you don't understand this, but you have to understand that I cannot live by your expectations anymore. So now going home, what's that going to look like? But you you can always return to that. That's, that's what we said here. We we can always, home is not going anywhere. We can always go home. We can always go back to that. But if you don't step out and try something, you'll never know. But yeah. we, we can't, and I have lots of friends here who've gone back to Canada or America, tried for a year or two with their wife and kids. It doesn't work out and they come back, mm. but no regrets. They, they don't want to live here thinking, should I have gone back home? Should I? Well, the journey that I'm specifically referring to is this one of self-discovery. It's a little bit you know, unconventional, especially if growing up in a religious family. So like for example meditation and exploring chakras and that means talking about third eyes and then Mm. things start getting a little like weird and you know and the experiences that are coming out of these meditations are not comfortable for anybody who grew up in a religious setting and who still practices that because then it starts looking devilish Mm. and like what weird spiritual nonsense are you messing around with when you start to kind of understand it through your own experiences, it's not the scary, weird thing. And I think my mom is slowly starting to kind of... So that that's specifically what I'm referring to. It's not the, the journey to Korea. She's happy for me to travel. But the journey of all of the self-discovery stuff and moving out of the way that she expected my life to kind of go mm. because of social conditioning. What started the journey? Depression. I was in a really, really dark, deep, scary, awful place mm. for a good couple months. My mom actually came to Korea during that time, around May last year, because she was like, if you come home, you're just coming back with all of this depression and you're coming to sit and do nothing and have nothing to take your mind off of it. It's probably going to get worse. You're going to feel more like a failure if you don't finish what you started. And then yeah. it's just going to... So she was like, let me come to you. Sound advice for mom. <laughs> So she came here, which was very sweet of her, for a month. And then I was introduced to this book by a friend called The Surrender Experiment by Michael A. Singer. And it talks about observing your thoughts. I was like, what is this guy talking about? I don't understand what this observing your thoughts thing mm. is. You know, because I mean, when you first hear it, what, what, is, what is that even? How do you observe your thoughts? We mm. think we are our thoughts. Mm. And I started practicing it on the bus and when I was walking and wherever... And one day I noticed that I sunk behind them and I could observe them. Mm. And then I was like, holy crap, I'm not my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm something other than my thoughts. I'm observed. If, I, if there's that subject-object relationship, then the thoughts being the object and the observer being the subject, then you are not the object. Mm. You are not the thoughts. And then that separation started. And that's how the journey progressed from there was kind of realizing that 
I, I am not as attached to this idea of what I thought I was mm. all these years. And that, yeah. I like, I like the memes, memes. Memes. <laughs> that that show whatever it is and they say this is what i think i am this I is what see. my mom thinks i am this is what my friends <laughs> yeah. think i am this, this is what i am, am. Yeah. you know i think i got a six yeah. pack <laughs> mom thinks i'm this my friends think i'm yeah. anyways i love those ones the different versions exactly exist in the mind of every Everyone. person sure. that you come across sure. yeah. well you are on some level the the reaction how people Right, people's reaction to you, right? Yeah. yeah. Your your opinion of yourself. If every time you look at someone, they go, oh, you're like, oh, there, there's something wrong with me. And you internalize yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, and sure, then that sure. becomes the lens that you look out of and the way that you experience life. So. That that helped me as well. I had uh, maybe I say a solid six months of anxiety and yeah. slight depression yeah. uh, a few years back, and really in in a moment thinking like, wow, like you said, taking us there. I don't know how to explain it, like. Going back and Behind, like in kind of yeah. kind of looking at your thoughts, like why is my heart racing right now? I'm just I'm just in a class. This is weird. You know, at first I thought like, oh, there's something. No, because I mean that's uh, a condition or one of the symptoms of of anxiety. You'll be oh, just driving, your heart just goes. You just have this For this no massive spike of of adrenaline. You're like yeah. it was. It's so weird, and I thought like. Step on the gas. Am I no? Am I am I dying? Am I what, what's going on with me? And then being able to step back and be like, oh, my heart's racing. Ah, oh, this is just something in my brain just you know not working correctly. It'll it'll sort itself out over yeah. time, or just teaching yourself little tricks like this, and it becomes normal after a while. And detaching because it teaches you to detach from those feelings and those mm. emotions. So when anything happens, like the the car, somebody speeding past you through the red light detaching from whatever reaction you have. So not to not have the reaction, mm. not to not have the feeling, I should say. You know, you're not trying to control every thought and every feeling that comes from those thoughts because mm. feelings come from the thoughts. It right? took a long time for that to sink into my head. Like, just observe the thought. Don't, don't, uh, I think don't one engage. thing that, that made it, that made it stick was don't put any comments on it. Don't put any, any, any value in it. Just when you're meditating, people think, I think, uh, you should keep a, a totally clear mind. Yeah. It's impossible. It's yeah. just you got to kind of step back and see what's <laughs> and then shit's always popping up in your head. Yeah. But you don't. You just don't attribute any any value or any yeah. any meaning to those thoughts. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I'm thinking about my car. Thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Why is that coming up? That's interesting. And it's just it's that constant going back and yeah. and trying to. You you mentioned that mom wasn't happy with where the journey was going with your new studies. Yeah. Um, and I, I I just thought it's not that's not necessarily the destination, right? I mean that could be just part of the journey. And I think of the one we were reading about last month. Is it Johnny Kim? Oh God, Johnny Kim and his you, his family immigrated to the no. states in the eighties, Korean American, and he joined the Navy, and he went on to become a SEAL. Anyways, he served two different uh, tours of duty in the Middle East. Over a hundred missions. Yeah, and and I just think. His mom probably wasn't excited about that. Mm. Like, oh, it's okay to join the army or the navy, but oh, don't don't go and actually fight and and yeah. you know be in the action because that's crazy. But that led him to his discovery of wanting to become a doctor because he saw so much trauma yeah. in the field, and then becoming a doctor. And he, I believe it was from Harvard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Harvard Medical School. He graduated from Harvard Medical School and he was doing his residency and he got into NASA. Oh. And now he's he's the first team to graduate from NASA Space Academy with the ability to go to Mars and the moon. Wow. And this started from him joining 
the Navy, yeah. you know, how many years ago and mom and dad or whoever might not enjoy all the parts of the journey, but they're not the destination. I mean, that might just be part of the part of the journey to get there. Side, side note, Tiger Mom's still not satisfied with his progress. <laughs> she's, uh, she's still wondering why he hasn't become a lawyer yet. But anyways, yeah. Um, Speaking to the destination and the journey thing, there's this quote that I came across that um, beware of destination addiction. Oh, did you wrote, did I read that from you? Yes, I posted okay, yeah, yeah. it. The I idea or right the preoccupation that happiness is in the next um, job, yeah, yeah. in the next place, in the next partner, in the next happiness. It's, it's we're constantly chasing, trying to get to this future destination, trying to get to a place that doesn't ultimately exist. Yeah. Because no matter how much you chase it, you're never going to get there. Whatever idea you have of this future will never be the idea that you have. Mm. The only place that happiness, peace, love, acceptance, and mm. anything else that you put value to exists is now, yeah. in only in this moment. Mm. So, so don't don't worry so much about going home and mom's reaction. Yes, yeah. yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Release the, the, the expectation or the anticipation of whatever negative reaction. Yeah. Just be where you are now. You're hanging out with Nate. This is we, this is yeah. the pinnacle of uh, we're hanging out with the mayor of Mugadam. Doesn't get it. Carpe diem. We we uh, we talked about it before. Um, that part of the comfort of me staying in Korea is that I've never had a job, you know, guaranteed for more than a year yeah. or two years, yeah. and that brings comfort to me <laughs> because it keeps me evolving. It keeps me learning. Keeps me wanting wanting more. <clears throat> but the destination is not clear, and it doesn't scare me. That's if I lose my university job tomorrow, I don't care. And and I, I know I'm good enough to survive. And, and I mean, Korea is a pretty easy place to try and survive. I mean, there's a lot harder places. Mm. I'm not in, in Syria right now or Yemen. So I feel very grateful for that. Yeah. But people say, aren't you worried You're, you might not get rehired or not at all? That that makes me take a different direction. It's kind of exciting. And, and I look forward to those things. And for how long we've been here and how many different roads we've gone down, mm. that builds up my confidence in myself and belief in myself that I don't want a job for 20 years when I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. It's not not interesting. It's not intriguing for me. Yeah. But comforting for some people, right? Yeah. Oh, for can, sure. I can, can see that. But like, I think that's the social conditioning. Yes. Mm. We're yeah. taught to believe in Korea. Hyundai, LG, Samsung... SK because even because that's what we've been taught. Yeah. So and that, that, that there's so much value placed in that comfort, that right. comfort zone. Stepping out of the comfort zone is uncomfortable. <laughs> so I find it weird now that my comfort the is road. the opposite of that, <laughs> and that's my reverse culture shock going home. That that's wonderful. I, I I'm not interested in you know knowing kind of most of where my life's going to go, just living the same thing at home. I. I like not kind of knowing and anything could happen. Being where you are. If Kim Jong-un yeah. pushed the button tomorrow, my life's going somewhere different. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you don't you don't really have those worries at home, right? It's very safe, very peaceful where I'm from. So it, yeah. I, I like having that unknown is kind of mysterious and, and exciting for me. I, uh, what is the Robert Frost? The road, the road not traveled. He said like, the, I'm walking in the woods and then roads both take go this road, way. Take the road, less traveled. It's, I, I know what you're saying, but I can't remember the exact... Two roads diverge in a yellow wood. That's the beginning of it. I don't remember the title or the. But anyways, reflecting on my on my education early in life, there was one. Only this poem kind of sticks out in uh, sticks out in my head. I don't know if that was like a failure from teachers to introduce us to good poetry or, or good English literature, but one teacher introduced this to us, and I really found now I've always gone down the path kind of less 
less traveled and it's interesting and i'm a better person for it i think good for you right? it's it's uh it's cool man. well i remember when i decided i graduated and i i knew right away i wanted to leave i hadn't left canada because i played hockey and hockey was my whole life and i, I loved it i had a bad accident it cut short my hockey career um but i traveled lots of canada and america which is a huge geographic region playing hockey i was very lucky and that that's what planted the the travel seed in me that there was so much more of the world to see and I wanted to keep traveling. Mm. But as soon as I graduated university, boom, I was gone straight to West Africa. And where did you go? To Ghana. And I was going to work in a refugee camp and I think it was the same thing. Why why don't you go to Europe or South America? It's easier. They're they're Christians. They're it, it's so much easier. Roman languages and I said, I want something wild and crazy, man. I want something <laughs> That people don't do. I, I, the only reason I haven't had an opportunity to do that is because I dedicated my life to hockey because that was my my real passion. I, I just love to play. But now that that took a different direction, I've had to change and adapt. And now I really want to go and do this. And like you say, the, the road less traveled because most of my friends would have went to Europe or South America. And that's same thing. Since then, I've always kind of done what's not that's where all the interesting stories lie exactly right? and that that's why you now I, now yourself. i'm comfortable in that and i am excited <laughs> to on to go on those journeys and keep traveling and because i know what it brings yeah. and i also understand how it can be a little bit fearful or, or scary for someone who hasn't aren't aren't you worried when you go to hey man malaria dysentery <laughs> gerardia i've been through lots of them and and those things don't scare me anymore yeah and like you say you step back and go I get malaria, so what? I deal with it. But, <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> but every person in my village had malaria, yeah. and nobody cared about it. Yeah. So why am I so scared and going to the tropical doctor and getting poked like a pincushion? And yeah. People in Africa don't worry about these things. Mm. So Perspective. Yeah, yeah, perspective. I'd like to read The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. Uh, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. That's a good, I like that one. It's made all the difference. Right? And I, I try and encourage, you know, lots of the, the people I work with, and, you know, do something different. Your parents always said, think outside the box, but... They don't really want you to. <laughs> and not just think, but it was, it might have been think outside the box, but it was never do outside the box. Okay. Think about, think... Yeah, I wanna, I wanna go join the Mujahideen in in Afghanistan. Huh? But you told me to. Th- but that that's too much. That's too far. And I didn't mean that yeah. far. So yeah, it's yeah, it's. My parents always said, "Dare to be different," but I don't know how much they really meant in the different. Yeah. It just meant maybe not. Just some inspirational shit. They read in Reader's Digest. <laughs> It's just a little bit different, you know, not not too different. So, so I um, I made a separate Instagram group because I wasn't ready for the perceptions of people 
or the, the perceptions of me to change. Mm. And <laughs> that self-acceptance... Why do you care about them that much? <laughs> that, that's a really good question, but that all comes with the conditioning. Yeah. You know, it's like I know that I care and I shouldn't care, but to actually now not care and show, or mm. not even have to show, but just to just not care and do whatever mm. the heck you're going to do. And after the last six weeks of kind of self acceptance and that self love coming through, speaking about the road less traveled, mm. I started to post to my main account. You asked me before why I started to post videos. Mm and um, whatever stuff to my main account, it's because of that self-acceptance that mm. I, was, I was separating these two selves to make sure that those Everybody who was knew, happy. Yeah, <laughs> to make sure that those who knew me in a certain light would continue to know me in that light because it's uncomfortable, change is uncomfortable. How do we like, and also for me, just people's perceptions of me to change, you know, I wasn't ready. And then I was like, you know what? Road less traveled, here I am. Take it, leave it, get annoyed, don't get annoyed. It's all on you. I'm comfortable with myself at this point. Yeah. Road less travel. You're going home and dropping Michael A. Singer shit on people. Like, what? What's going on here? Oh, yeah. eh? We're just I drinking beer I plan on hosting meditation uh, retreats. Yeah. Why not? So maybe a little, a little bit different direction, but I'm curious, what role do the dogs play in this? I'm sure, I mean, I have kids and he has kids. They could bring joy and happiness and they can bring anger and frustration. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're up there. But with one the, thing with that I, I, I think about having pets <laughs> is that you don't always, I mean, I'm sure you can tell when they're not feeling well or something, but that for the most part, they don't talk back to you. They don't disagree with you. They, and, you know, they, they provide a, a, a loving relationship, maybe. Mm. Do the dogs play any part in this journey or is that? Well, let's start with the discomfort. One of them puked on me this morning. <laughs> I woke up and found my shirt coming in. His vomit. So that was fun. Anyway, on a on a could could be your husband's. Yeah. <laughs> right? The one that I don't have. But but I mean on, on another Oh oh okay. I, I hear what you Prefer saying. it's my pet dog than the my dog spouse or somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the road most traveled. <laughs> <laughs> so with the dogs, um, during that depression. Um, period, I was looking at sending them home because they were also feeling like too much of a responsibility. I was like, I'm struggling to take care of myself right yeah, now yeah. and having to take care of the dogs as well. There was one point where I hadn't bought them for six weeks, you know, and it was, they didn't smell too bad or at least maybe I was just so wound up in all that smell <laughs> that I didn't even realize it, you know. But outside of that, I, I think it was really helpful to have that companionship right. and not have it in the sense of somebody disagreeing with your feelings sure. and disagreeing mm. with the way you're currently living and being okay with not being bathed for six for yeah. six weeks and not being walked <laughs> for however long and just just having that that cuddle time that right. affection you know again coming back to the, the disconnect is that when I'm at home, maybe I'm watching TV on the couch with mom. I can put my head on mom's shoulder mm. or just kind of wrap myself up in her gown or, you know, my brother will play with my hair or whatever. But you don't really have that that yeah. um, connection. I used to actually go for massages to get that back in the day. Like mm. every month I would be like a massage because I didn't have the human contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having the dogs plays a, a huge role in, no, in, and, in and now in that, yeah. Putting that back to the Korean society and norms here now. Not getting married, no kids. Mm. I think how many years now we've seen the huge spike in dogs that there were there was no pet dogs when mm. we came here. There were stray dogs. There was no pet dogs. Yeah. 
But I think now, and I would venture a guess that it's mostly female companionship, that so many people now have dogs, families, married couples, single. But I think in a culture where the men work so much, there's a lot of married women who miss that that companionship and it fills that void for them. And now without the young people not getting married, it's the same thing. I can have this dog that loves me regardless. I, I've never had a dog. I have no idea. But I just assume that it fills that void for them. My, my cousin wrote her master's thesis on, on I swear to God, on the, on the impact of dogs on... Marry my dog. No, what is it? <laughs> But it's it? becoming the, the more common dogs here than on, having an elderly or something. But it, her her thesis proved that it was it had a, a positive impact on people's hundred percent yeah. health and well being. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I absolutely. can see how that's possible. Having yeah. lived it, you got two. Yeah, <laughs> these got, yeah. these women now refusing to live the societal norms of get married. I got a degree. I passed the test. Now quit your job because you have kids. Yeah, they're they're standing up for it now, and I think the same thing. Good Let's for travel. Them. You. Good for them. I guess with me, um, there was always that pressure for a long time for family and um, the, 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 the traditional route, you know. And this process, this journey has made me okay with not doing all of that. Now I just get to decide to do it because I want to experience yeah, it, right. not because there's pressure. If I want to be in a, a romantic relationship with somebody, then I'll open myself up to being in a romantic But I'm not doing it because, oh, poor girl is mm. like... Um, poor girl is, is so lonely and and <laughs> oh she must be so sad in her single life you know yeah. it's not like that and th those thoughts and those pressures that float around just don't affect me anymore and that's that's so, something i came to accept early in within the first few years of being here just i i said every, i'm never getting married and never want to have kids and I think after I pushed it away, then it kind of naturally, it naturally flowed in. Once I had no expectations or no, um, no desire to, to pursue that, to, to pursue it. Back to the towel. I've got another note written here. Any, it's a good segue. Any overdetermined behavior produces its opposite. Trying to be too beautiful will make you ugly. Posting so much on on Facebook about how about how happy you are. Any social media. I don't just point out Facebook, shows your your sadness. I question myself with exercise. I will not miss a day. I was just on vacation. I, I'm always seeking a gym or somewhere to run or, or do something. And I wonder what is my, what's, what's the worry or what's the underlying concern? Is it death or obesity or sickness? Or I, I don't know what it is. Something I must. I, I had just find. gotten to the Philippines yeah. and we checked into our place and I, think I was sitting by the swimming pool and enjoying a beer, relaxing, watching my kids in the pool. And he sends me and says, hey, check if my gym's open. He was coming two weeks later and said, gym? I said, gym? I can work out on the beach. I went for a beautiful run this morning. I said, who the hell needs a gym here? He's like, dude, don't knock it. I said, there's a gym at my place here. I haven't seen, after two weeks, there's not one person that used that gym in two weeks. <laughs> and, and I, said, I go to the local gym, man. It's awesome. I, so, I said, Jim, this is paradise. I need a gym here. But yeah, I went for a run. I took, I swear to God, trying to take the road, not taken, or the hell the name of that poem is. I hate taking pictures of everything. You see people taking pictures. That, that's all Boric I was for me. I, I noticed people taking pictures of oh look at my toast for breakfast look at the look at the the chicken in the street the, taking pictures of everything yeah. 
some pictures are okay when it gets there's a there's a limit where you gotta you gotta cut it off i took one picture the whole time and it was a sunrise i got lost on a run in the morning it was 6 a.m and the sun was coming up oh it was so nice i, I literally i had stopped i went ah giving into this new this new technology or new way of life but that was awesome. running with your phone i'm surprised i want to read <laughs> need some, in case need some tunes oh, i needed it i had to i had to use data and, and find out where i was going man yeah. i want to oh. read something in response to your tau thing yes do we have time yes okay one thing a positive experience is a negative experience yeah accepting negative experiences is a positive experience it's what the philosopher Alan Watts yeah. used to refer to as the backwards law. I won't go through the whole thing, mm. but just the idea that if you are wanting something, you're pushing it away. Yeah. If you're wanting something that's a negative experience, you're telling yourself, I don't have that thing. There's something missing. But if you accept the negative experience, whatever negative experience comes into your life, that's a positive experience because you're allowing what is to be. Yeah. And yeah, this is exactly what uh, that book I mentioned earlier, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. That's expectation. It's all, all this stuff is yeah. all in there. Yeah. It's, yeah. And uh, he's got a sweet swear word on the front. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a second. He's got a second one now. I forget the title of it, but we can post it in the things after. But um, Dad was reading that one. I was like, Have you ever read this book? This is really good. You should. You should look into this one. He's like. I'm reading a book that sounds like it's kind of along those lines. And we looked. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, I will get to that at some point. This what, mm. where, or who now do you draw your motivation or inspiration from? Um, this the first guy, um, Michael A. Singer, um, because of that observing your thoughts. Um, Eckhart Tolle these days. Tolle or Tolle? Tolle. I don't know. <laughs> I used to say Tolle, Tolle, whatever. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Eckhart Tolle these days, but. I was saying to Brian earlier that uh, when we, we were talking about Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra, because Deepak gets onto the topic of the nature of reality and just how some of it can see be very abstract and be kind of really difficult to kind of grasp. And that some experiences that happened during my meditations kind of bridge that gap. And that was what led me to start um, reading Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra on the nature of reality because the experiences were like, dude, what is happening? Mm. I need to understand this. In the beginning, I called the two pivotal moments my first awakening and my second awakening. The first awakening was like um, realizing that you are not your thoughts mm. um, and kind of what else happened during one of my meditations, this huge energy, it felt like I was plugged into the wall, it's just pumping through me, it was so uncomfortable, but very profound. And one of the others was this love that was pouring out of me and surrounding the planet. And another was a light shining out of my forehead. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> I didn't understand any of it because I'd never been exposed to any of it before. But I was also so careful about what information I was taking in because I was like, I don't want to just listen to. And I had somebody in my life at the time that was trying to help me understand it. But even with what she was saying, I was always very careful. Like, mm. I understand that those are your experiences and that's how you've made sense of your experiences. But you can never possibly know what it means to me, what my experiences sure. mean. Mm. So I have to ultimately find whatever resonates with me. Mm. And that's and then the second awakening was this experience of oneness where, oh gosh, this was I really for for about two days I was just like 
it felt like I was high. I spoke mm. to another friend about it and they were like, did you smoke something? Because I had that experience when I smoked something. I was I, like, I, I really didn't. I ate the bread on the counter that's been molded for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and it was just this experience of like, like everything is me and I am everything. Like the lamp beside my bed, I remember looking up at the lamp and I just burst out laughing because I was like, you are me and I am you. It was hilarious. And I was waiting for the lamp to look at me with its consciousness and be like, I'm that's conscious very, too. It was really that's very, strange. That's very Tolly and, yes. and Chopra. It was so strange. Then when I was on the bus the next day, I look at the clock and I didn't understand time. Mm. I, I just lost the concept of time. I, all I saw were two numbers, 10, 10, but I didn't even know that I'd lost the concept That's of time. That's the number one sign of stroke, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I look out the window and I'm like, oh my gosh, the buildings are so beautiful. Look what we made. And I'm yeah. just in, oh, it felt like I was in another dimension. Like my whole life I was living in this other dimension, this universe. And then one day the the the... What do you call it? The wool was just freaking pulled off my eyes and everything was unveiled. And now I'm seeing everything for the first time. And the buildings were like, wow, it was just the most yeah. profound experience. So that drew me to Deepak and the mm. nature of reality because I was like, OK, now I need information. What the hell is yeah, happening? Yeah. <laughs> I like I, I, both of those guys. They yeah. um, the, the core ideas that live in the now don't don't put too much. Yeah. Um, uh, too much emphasis on the future yeah. or on the past yeah. it's gonna cause yeah. it's gonna spike your anxiety about mm. about everything but mm. um, when they get into that maybe I'm not ready <laughs> maybe I'm not ready for it and I, I have entertained the thought that on on some level if science is correct which we assume we, we grew out of we grew out of little single-celled organisms we're all made of the same made of the same thing you know? yeah but it's hard to hard to digest and I need some I'm still trying to yeah. as well because I'm like I experienced this oneness mm. so there must be something to it now I'm looking for the information to kind of help me understand it from a scientific perspective mm. so when you start looking at quantum mechanics which oh, maybe yeah. you're not going too deep into that yeah. <laughs> then it starts to kind of speak to everything coming from the same point which is in quantum mechanics the the vacuum the yeah. whatever and i guess in spirituality they call it the void mm. it's the idea that everything and nothing exists in that point the singularity mm. right so everything is and everything is not it is everything and it is nothing at mm. the same at the same time and when you hear about people's experiences of um experiencing enlightenment or samadhi um as they refer to in india i believe mm -hmm. They come back talking about this ego death, that you become nothing and you become everything. Mm. And you start to see these parallels between spirituality and science. And even with all the religions all saying the same thing, you know, we are all one. We, are, we all come from the same source. Um, you just, I, I posted something about it not too long ago, just with the different teachings and how all of them are ultimately connected mm. and then you bring science into it and it's connected too and it's just saying the same thing mm. in a different yeah, way definitely, yeah. so for a new audience yeah. that's currently what i'm exploring but my depth of understanding is still very limited and i would say listen we got to cut this yeah. in in one minute but um it's the same what we're talking about earlier how sometimes you do understand it and it and it 
and it's personal and it's meaningful to you, but yeah. articulating it and getting it out in a, oh, yeah. in a podcast in a, in a certain amount of time, it's not always, not always easiest, but yeah. I want to, uh, I want to say thank you for, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Keep, uh, keep going on the journey. It's interesting to, uh, to sit down and, and share thoughts on, uh, on something more than the hockey scores, oh, which yeah. is also important. But <laughs> and if you make it back after the trip home next summer, then maybe we'll have you back on and See how much See further how the went, journey's yeah. How yeah. much growth has happened. Yeah. Or we can do the next one on the mountain. Oh, right? yeah. Or <laughs> get a long extension cord from the house. But anyways, thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.